Well, last week we looked at a verse of scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And uh, I don't think we're going to do the whole chapter, but I'd like to uh, do a little more than we, we did. I didn't get as far as I wanted to, to get. But Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and uh, I'll read verse 1. And it says, uh, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly in him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. So there's many things in that. You know, if we look at it earthly, though, and, and Gene, the uh, brother also had been teaching Wednesday nights, verse after verse, and was kind of finishing up the Psalms and getting into these uh, pro Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and things. And so as they appointed me teacher on Wednesday night, I just continued verse by verse. But when you get into Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, it, it forces you to take a look at it and say, there's more to that than just what's earthly. There's something else there. And, but we could look at this. Is there any need studying this? Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking odor. So doth a little folly, him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Is that worthy of our time and our study? Well, it's in the scriptures, so my answer to that is, is yes, of course. So as we looked at this last week, this word apothecary, or your Bible may say perfumer, if you have a Schofield Bible, or it can be chemist. And what this was, in under the law, the Lord Moses was kind of the foreman, but God sent them skilled men, whether they be men working with wood or men working with bronze or brass or stone. But he also sent skilled men for a chemist or apothecary. And what he told Moses to do, or these apothecaries, he gave them a formula. You take oil, and, and I'm not going to go read it, but you take all these different spices and everything, and, and you mix this together, and it gives a sweet savor. And they were to anoint uh, many things with And let me not forget to mention this. It's used for worship of the Lord. I don't want to leave that part out. So in the priesthood, they would take this and pour it upon the head of the priest, and it would run down over him. It wasn't to be put on man, not just... Everybody use it for a little dab of cologne or shaving cream or something. It was for anointing of the priest for worship. And also it would anoint different things in the uh, uh, tabernacle. So this formula that God gave Moses to give to uh, the chemist, the apothecary that he appointed, was for that purpose. It was to use for worship only. That's all it was used for. So... God, as I've said before, uh, he doesn't accept anything other than perfection. You know, Aaron's sons one time was going to offer a sacrifice. They're supposed to take the fire from a certain place. You say, well, what difference does it make if you take a fire from a, a big lighter or a kitchen match? What difference does it make? Well, it makes a difference. God said, do it this way, and he killed them just because they offered strange fire. So this ointment that they made up, if they didn't have that, 
they couldn't worship God in an acceptable manner. Because God said, this is the way you do it. If they didn't have it, then they couldn't worship God in this, in this manner. So, uh, as we looked at that and as we studied that, uh, this item that was to be assembled together that would be suitable for worship. As we looked at that, and we said, what, what, do we, what does that mean to us today? I don't have any plans making perfume or this oil or shaving cream. What, what does that mean for us today? Well, it's something to use for worship, an acceptable worship that has a sweet savor. Someone to prepare it, to assemble together in the manner that God has set forth. So we said that this was, it was like the word, the scriptures. And it says that the scriptures, it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. So to, under, to worship under this, we need someone to assemble this together, that we would have an acceptable worship unto God. And no, you're not looking at him. <laughs> It is the Holy Spirit. It is the Comforter. And we studied that last week, as we studied many times. I love looking at the Comforter. But the Comforter leads, guides, and directs into all truth. So it was the Comforter that leads us and guides us in this word, in this truth. And these sweet spices are put together and have a sweet aroma and that is used in worship of God. We worship him in spirit and in truth. By him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Without the comforter, could we do that? And the answer is no, we couldn't do that. So let's try to pick up on that and go just a little more. Uh, so in verse 1, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. So, uh, as we stated before, there's nothing wrong with this ointment. There's nothing wrong with this if assembled as God said and put these different spices and things in this oil. There's nothing, and by itself, there's nothing wrong with it. It gives a sweet smelling aroma. Some time ago on the Weather Channel, I was surprised to hear this, and the, the weatherman or woman, weather person, uh, was talking about this weather patterns and everything, you know, and boy, everything looked good and sunny. Said, but here's the fly in the ointment. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty good. Here's, a bad, here's some clouds and some storms uh, coming over your way. So I thought that was uh, strange, but uh, yet a, a hidden blessing there. Uh, so, nothing wrong with the ointment, but if it's changed, it brings forth a stinking savor. Uh, let's 
Go down to verse 5, read verse 5, 6, and 7. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, as an error which proceed from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. I have seen servants upon horses, and princes walking like servants upon the earth. You say, wait, what's wrong with this picture? That's, that's not right. That's not, not the way it is. I, I picture, I guess I go back in time, and maybe I watch too much TV, but we see uh, dignitaries, uh, rulers or whatever, up on the camels and horses, you know, going through the desert. And you see the servants walking along on the side and everything. Which is kind of what's normal, what's right, uh, if you will. But he, said, I, I, he says, I've seen things. I've seen things that's not right. He says, I've seen things that's, that's reversed. I've seen servants upon the horses and things. And the rulers and, and dignitaries and things walking along down here. This, I've seen things. This is not right. And this is a perverted way. You hear the word pervert sometimes. What does that mean, perverted way? Other than what's right. So what he said, I, I've seen this. I've seen this. It's, it's upside down. It's not right. It's a perverted way. And it says, folly. Folly has set in. So, if we take praise meant for God and apply it to man, is that not a perverted way other than the right way? Heard a man on television. I don't know why I do it, but uh, I had the TV on on Sunday mornings as I'm getting ready and everything. And uh, uh, one man on there, I, I mentioned this morning, but how many times he says, "But I chose the Lord." I mean, and that I kept bellowing out, "I, I, I, I chose the Lord," and he he was so proud of that. Is that? Well, let me ask you, does that make the oil stink? <laughs> Is that a perverted way? I chose the Lord. We, reading the scriptures, the Lord even told them, you haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you. We can read in Ephesians. He chose his elect before the foundation of the world. So for a man to say, I chose, that's a perverted way. That's giving man honor and glory. Well, how much honor and glory does man deserve? Fifty-fifty? It's zero. We're on the receiving end of his grace and mercy. We don't deserve any honor and glory. In fact, we don't deserve his mercy and grace. That's why it's such a blessing that he's given it to us. That's why we're so grateful and so thankful. Uh, 
Let's go verse 15. The labor of the foolish. And so we're talking about foolish and folly. That's what, that's what makes this, uh, this, this ointment sweet savor, suitable for worship. This folly and foolish is what makes it, I'll just use the word here, with stink. It, I know Schofield changed it to an evil odor, but uh, the original was uh, stink. So now verse 15. The labor of the foolish. Worth every one of them. Because he knoweth not how to go to the city. Well, that's a lesson on its own, isn't it? We look, I think of the city, I think of the new Jerusalem and so forth. I think of our eternal salvation with the Lord. And you realize it's all because of the Lord. All because God chose his elect. Jesus Christ uh, redeemed them. And that's the way to the city. But the foolish, with the folly, their labor, it's wearisome, isn't it? Touch not, taste not, handle not, do the best you can, hold on faithful to the end. Uh, and it's very wearisome. There's no, the Lord says, uh, take my yoke, take my burden. It's easy, isn't it? But the labor of the foolish, no, that's. That's wearisome. Well, I'll just say it this way. The labor of the foolish, that stinks. That stinks. So, uh, verse 1, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is reputation for wisdom and honor. Folly is a doctrine of the foolish. Uh, Paul said, he said, for we were once foolish and disobedient. He included himself in that. We were once foolish and disobedient. Include himself in there. So, if you have any questions, what he meant, when was he foolish and disobedient? And we have such a good account of that. And you'll see this, this account is labor of the foolish. Is, you'll see it, it's wearisome. You'll see it maketh the ointment stink. So Paul says, we were once. Now, he, this is that when he was Saul of Tarsus, after he was brought out, then he makes a statement, well, we were once, we were once foolish. We were once in this foolishness. Our labor wearied. Our uh, flies in the ointment made us think. So when was he foolish? When was he in the folly? And, and we have the perfect record of it. I think I read it this morning, but we'll go to it this evening in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 3. You're all familiar with it, and, and thank God that you are. When was he foolish? Well, was that when he was a little boy and used to go around getting in this honoriness and things like that? Uh, 
We don't have record of that, do we? I was thinking today as I was going over that, as a little boy, uh, things I'm ashamed of. I'm talking about the physical play now, things I'm ashamed of. Uh, and I wasn't, well, there's one boy, I used to say, I was a pretty good kid until I started loafing out with him. But he said the same thing about me, so I don't know. But one thing, and this, I don't know, this kind of haunts me. Uh, and again, I'm just talking, just give an example, it has nothing to do with anything. But uh, as a kid, when I was foolish, and maybe I shouldn't even mention this because it has nothing to do with spiritual, but uh, some of the older boys, they'd turn over outhouses. Well, I didn't do that. But the farmers back then, a lot of them, their corn in the field, instead of having all the machinery and everything like that, they'd take a corn knife and cut their corn. And they'd stack it up. And what we see in corn, they call them corn shocks. And uh, they'd stack them up in these big things, uh, stand them upright. Rain would hit them, run off, and their corn would be kept. And they could go out and get it and everything like that. And uh, some of those boys would go out and turn them over. All that work the farmer's done, so I probably shouldn't have brought that in. I don't want to confuse the, the matter. But so uh, where was I going to? Ephesians or Philippians? So Paul, when he was, he says, we were, those that he's writing to and himself, we were once foolish, disobedient. So do we read accounts when Paul used to turn over the corn shocks or used to turn over the outhouses? Do we read account of that? No, that's not what we read. But we have a wonderful account that he gives. After he was brought into the light, he gives the account when he was in foolishness. And in Philippians chapter 3, and again, I know it's familiar to you, and thank God that it is. And Philippians 3 and 3 for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have just a little bit of confidence in the flesh. Well, that's not what it says. And have no confidence in the flesh. Zero. And then he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath reason for which he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. Any of you said, I'll put my record up against any of you. Now we're going to go back what he trusted in when he was foolish. Wasn't turning over outhouses or corn shocks out in the field. We don't read that account, but we have this account when he was foolish. And you remember what that foolish and folly does. It maketh that oil that is a sweet-smelling aroma that's used for worship, it makes us think. So, uh, verse 5, as he goes on, what he used to, uh, when he was in, when he was foolish. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews. Nothing wrong with those things. Those are statements. But do you take your genealogy and look for your genealogy to see about your, your salvation? Do you go back to Abraham where the promise was made? Literally. He says concerning zeal, persecuting the church. 
touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Uh, that's when he was foolish. And he goes on. But what things were gained to me whenever I was foolish, because he, he had great gain. He was a Pharisee. And this was, they were highly looked upon. And this was all gain. All these things he listed here, if we had them on the list, these were great gain to him. Touching righteousness in the laws that I was blameless. Anybody has room to brag about it? I do. I did. And he did. When he was foolish in folly. But what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things. So all those things that he loved and looked to when he was foolish. I was a Pharisee. And Pharisees, they knew that law inside and out. They didn't understand it, didn't, didn't know what it was pointing to, but they knew every little bit of it. And he knew how far you could walk on a Sabbath day. He knew that you couldn't mix garments, didn't understand what it meant, but he knew all that. The Pharisees did. And... Uh, he said, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things. So he suffered the loss of all those things. You know, a lot of times we suffer loss. Boy, this is, this is sad. Lose my billfold, which I haven't done. I only done that one time. Uh, but if you lose something, it's, it's kind of we kind of count that a loss. You know, I'm really sorry that I that I lost that. There's kind of sadness with it. But this, these things, and we well, we read this morning too about the Pharisee. And again, Paul was a Pharisee, and we read about the member the two that went up to pray, one a publican, the other. Uh, a Pharisee, oh, I thank God that I'm not like other men. So Paul lost all that. Was he sad? Did, oh, gosh, that was great value that I lost. What does he say? Loss of all things, and to count them, but you can have dung, you can have manure, you can have some other things. But refuge. Let him may win Christ. Now, he could have said, well, you know, I, 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 uh, these things are good, but Christ is better, but these things, I still value them. He was a Pharisee. He trusted his righteousness of the law. Touching righteousness of the law, he said, I was blameless. But he lost all that. Now, he could have said, now, all this is good and valuable. But it's Christ. But he didn't say that. 
He said, I count all that as dumb and refuge, which, by the way, would stink, right? <laughs> we mix it with that ointment, it would stink. Uh, nine, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. How many people in this world look to the law for their righteousness? That's valuable to them. And you talk to them, and I said, well, can you keep the law? Well, no. And you hear things like, uh, but if you do the best you can, well, I don't find that in the Scripture that that's acceptable anywhere, that you do the best you can. And, well, I can keep some of them. Well, the Scripture says you break one, you're guilty of the whole. But yet, they want so bad to cling to that. Paul didn't. Paul said, I can't just refuge. Uh, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, uh, the righteous which is of God by faith. So, uh, so this is when Paul says that he was, says, we was once foolish, we was, we was right there in it. That's when it was. When he's trusting in his righteousness in the law. That's what he looked to. He doesn't any longer. He counts as refuge now. But the doctrine of the foolish, trusting in man, man's righteousness in the law, uh, that's, that's when he was foolish. That's the folly. I talked to a lady, it's been some time ago now, and uh, talking to her, and she said, well, I thought we was under the law. Well, most of the religious world, that's what they think, under the law. But let, let me, well, let me ask you. This might be a good place to ask it. So you have law, the letter of the law. Now, the spirit of the law is different. I mean, it's the same thing, but the spirit of the law points and talks about Christ. The spirit, when, when the, the letter of the law says not to worry mixed garment, your garment has to be 100% this or that, it can't be mixed. That's the letter of the law. The spirit of the law is our covering is the blood of Christ. And you don't mix that. You don't mix that covering. You don't mix that garment. So the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. But... We're talking about mixing things. Flies in the ointment. Makes us stink. Can you mix the letter of the law and grace? Touch not, taste not, handle not. You can only walk so far on Saturday. You can't wear mixed garments. The letter of the law and grace doesn't mix. Austin, you say it like vinegar and oil, or water and oil. It doesn't mix. I'll, I'll say it a little differently. It maketh the ointment stink. <laughs> you mix the law with grace. Because you hear people uh, on, on TV and you read things and they'll be talking about grace and everything, but the first thing you know, they mix things with it. That's not supposed to be. Uh, grace is beautiful, it's a sweet ointment, but you mix the law 
and it's a, a stinking odor and savor. Galatians uh, chapter 2, let's go there. Galatians 2, we'll see uh, some examples here. Uh, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Very plain, isn't it? But by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Isn't that, isn't that sweet to you? Isn't that sweet? They're not justified by the works of the law, but by grace. Isn't that sweet? But what about if we mix, if we mix with it? What about if we mix folly with it or the labor of the foolish? What about if we mix with it? Well, look at verse 21. Paul was faced with this. And he says, I don't make void the grace of God. We know grace is an unmerited favor. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. Again, that's why it's so valuable to us. I don't make void the grace of God. Why did he make this statement? Well, this is something that he was faced with. Is reading he made this statement. I don't make void the grace of God. If righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So this is something that Paul had been faced with. He said, I don't make void the grace of God. Some were making it void. God's grace, uh, unearned, unmerited favor, his grace and his mercy, some were making it void. And it, it says, if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I've done a little thing this morning. If... If righteousness is through the law, and if that were true, we go to the pearly gates, we see Jesus Christ standing there. What, what do we do? Shake hands and say, well, that was a mighty noble thing you did, giving your life on the cross. But it was rather foolish because I got here through my righteousness through the law. Make void the grace of God. And when we hear it, it stinks. It gives on glory to man and not uh, to the Lord. Uh, and then, uh, well, let's just go into the third chapter of Galatians there, a couple things. Uh, o foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been openly set forth crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? And again, this is what we see in the religious world. They'll start out, and of course, Satan and his disciples, they're going to have... And I don't think it's good terminology, but let me say, they're going to have some truth. They're going to have something that looks like the truth. They read some scriptures. But then 
they put some flies in the ointment, a little folly, a little honor and glory to man. And, and it varies. And they, even some of them seems to be, seems to be so strong. There's one the other day, and reading all, and Chuck, I think I mentioned you this morning, reading all what I might say, some, some of the right scriptures uh, in Ephesians and, and so forth. And he says, but it's up to you to believe. His sheep will believe, but it's not up to them. It's him. So you see, that takes honor and glory. How, I ask you, how much praise and honor and glory do we get? 50%, whatever. Well, they still want to leave a little room, like a man that I uh, worked with for a few years. He said, you'd like to think that we had something to do with it. And, and we would. That's what, that's what our nature would like to think. When we was in foolishness and folly, that's what we thought. Maybe different degrees at different times. Uh, Psalms, uh, let's see, I'll keep looking up there. Uh, Psalm 62, this is a psalm that Brother Carlos uh, loves. And uh, love to hear him read this. Psalm 62. And let's just start in verse 1. Truly, my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. Boy, is that a statement or what? Can we just put a period there and say, okay, that's it. From him cometh my salvation. But what do you hear? And, and that's, that's sweet, <laughs> David. That's, that's a sweet smell there. That's a sweet savor. My, uh, truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He's not going to fail. But then, again, you, a little folly comes in. But you have to accept. But you have to choose. But you have to hold on. I heard a man this morning, and I, I, I heard other people say it. He said, well, salvation's like this. He said, if somebody goes to buy your dinner or something, he said, they offer to pay your dinner, but you have to accept it. I've heard people, heard a different way. A person said, well, I, I can write you a check and, and give it and offer it to you, but you have to turn it over and endorse it. Well, see, in, in John chapter 10, he says, I give unto them eternal life. I don't offer it. He gives it. Well, how do you know he didn't offer it? Because it says none of them will perish. He gives it to them and none will perish. So you see what a little folly does. Uh, Psalm 62 again. Uh, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Boy, and again, that's, that's sweet. Knowing our salvation is sure. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? 
you shall be slain, all you like a bowing wall, shall you be like a, and like a tottering fence. They, they're not talking about, uh, he's talking about they now. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless them, bless, uh, they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Isn't that what we hear so much on television? They bless with their mouth. Oh God, he's great and Jesus is great and so forth and so on. But inwardly, they still give the praise to man. It's up to you to accept. It's up to you to choose. It's up to you to believe. Uh, so it says, they only, in verse 4, they only consult to cast him down from his excellency. Now, it's been many years ago we talked about a coup attempt. That's kind of what it is. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. Well, how do they do that? He's the most high. He's on the throne. Well, they take God, bring him down a little, lift man a little, and they bring him down from his excellency. They make our salvation, our righteousness, our redemption part of what we do. Uh, verse 5 my soul wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him he only is my rock and my salvation he is my defense I shall not be moved in God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Lift up the Lord. Again, there's not room for anything, any on glory in there for us. But you have to take the first step. You have to pray through. You have to uh, choose him. Uh, you must believe. And, they, they, and, and certainly God's sheep will believe. But because he gives them life and opens their ears and their eyes and calls them to see and hear, that's why they believe. Because, well, all the ordained to eternal life believes, Acts 13, 48. Uh, and in verse 9... Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Men thinks, really thinks we're something. Dolores uh, had a, uh, snapped a picture of something on, she saw somewhere, and I, I was going to try to uh, uh, look at it and read it or write it down or something, but it says, if God uses you to... Uh, uh, to do something, don't be puffed up about it. He could make a dog or stones do it, couldn't he? I thought that was a pretty good saying. Uh, so here, they, they consult to cast him down. This is God Almighty, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and he's the Most High. But they consult to cast him down. 
they don't know they're doing it. They don't mean to do it, but they certainly are doing. It's like, I don't want to insult cheerleaders here, but they have God and Jesus. They picture him as a cheerleader. I'm rooting for you. Jesus, he wants everyone to be saved. God wants everyone to be saved. If that's true, uh, there's all kinds of things in the world now. How do you measure success you know, in the business world? So if God wants everyone to be saved, doesn't want anyone to be in the lake of fire, how successful is he? Debbie and Keith, I had a, a speaking class with Tiffany many, many years ago, a public spe little public speaking class, and it wasn't supposed to be anything religious or controversial or anything, but the last one, uh, they wanted to be controversial and everything. And uh, so I remember I titled it, Jesus Christ, Success or Failure? If he wants everyone to be saved, if Jesus has done all he can do, success or failure? Giving him honor and glory or bringing him down from his throne? Uh, maybe... Uh, we're about out of time, so we just, uh, we'll probably just uh, maybe go ahead and close with this. But dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly in him reputation for wisdom and honor. A little folly, a little leaven, leaven the whole lump. And again, you hear these messages talking about God and how great he is and so forth and so on. And then they turn around, but, and Brother Ram, you say, watch out, the old goat there. <laughs> but it's up, they still bring it up to you. They just, it's, well, I want to say it's sad. It's the Lord's plan. But, so this ointment that, the comforter uh, assembles for us, line upon line, here little, there little. And it's a sweet-smelling aroma that's used for worship, the sacrifice of phrase, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But a little folly maketh it stink. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.